Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in podcasts, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friend, future podcasts such as these will affect you in the future. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we're bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. We are giving you all the evidence, based only on the secret testimonies of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places... My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let us reward the innocent. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about the late-seeding podcast review of Plan 9 from Outer Space? Hey kids, welcome to part two of Late Seating's Halloween Spooktacular with murderers and monsters and spooky ghosts and skeletons and my henchman Steve Shive. Yes, I am here once again, Master. And I am Count Jason. I kill movies for fun harding. We, we carb stomp them. We beat the shit. We drag them behind. Oh, we're getting dark, Steve. Oh, already, we, we we run these streets. I don't like where this is going oh. or our relationship to the movies. No. Hey, everybody! It's part two of Halloween. Just when you thought, oh, thank God, they got that out of their system. You're wrong because no. it's still October. And we have one more super scary movie that we're going to review. Isn't that right, Steve? Yes. The scariest part is that it got distribution. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, kids. The movie we're going to review has skeletons and zombies and aliens and flying saucers and the scariest of all, Thor Johnson. Oh, no, no. Trying to deliver dialogue. You'll never stop screaming after hearing that, kids, I promise you. And now I'm going to drop the accent, because I'm sure most people have started to put the noose around their neck. (laughs) Oh, thank goodness, it's like pulling off a a coat. Ah, hi everybody. I'm Jason. This is Steve. Hi, Welcome to the everybody. show. Come on, sit down. I know it's stormy outside. We're going to watch a movie. Hey, what movie are we going to watch, Steve? We're going to watch that classic 1959, or is it 1957, <laughs> movie, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Now, if this were a movie, right now, um, the, the butler would have dropped a glass on the floor and stared at us in shock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Plan 9? Oh, no, sir. Master, you promised you would not do that again. <laughs> Alfred, I don't bring me do the what DVD you tell me to do. <laughs> I have a problem, please. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Plan 9 from Outer Space. The movie that has the reputation for being the worst movie ever made, right, Steve? That's what they say. That's the rumor. That's what they said in 1980. <laughs> true anymore, guys. It's not true. <laughs> there have been worse movies. There were young people who saw that and said, that's a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I accept. I can do worse. <laughs> I accept your challenge, said young Uwe Boll. 
<laughs> now we don't mean people making home movies and shit. We're talking about Ooh. people that actually got distribution for their Ooh. worst films. Yes. But in 1980, was it Michael Medved? Yes, and his My- his brother Harry, who I don't believe has ever done anything <laughs> since. I'm Harry Medved. I'm the one to the plan. I'm from outer space. Is the worst. Film. I. <laughs> I mean, I know we're not super famous in anything, but can you imagine being best known for being Michael Medved's <laughs> brother? That's got to suck. Well, you're becoming best known as Jason Harding's sidekick, so I'm, what does that say about it? I'm okay with that. I think that's still a few notches above Michael Medved's brother. That's it's gotta true. Be. It's got to be. Anyway, back in 1980, they called, they gave it a Golden Turkey Award because they just wanted to give it an award, I guess, or whatever. And lots of people, it has become a cult classic at this point, right? Oh, definitely. It's it, it is perhaps the first cult classic. Yeah, and, and I think it's actually kind of broken out of cult classic to classic because I think just about everybody knows about it. Yeah. Now that pop culture rules supreme, Plan Nine. If you're a lover of movies and you're a lover of bad movies, if, whether you've seen it or not, you've heard of it. And once you reach that level, I don't think you can be called a cult classic anymore. Any more than you can call Rocky Horror Picture Show a cult classic. Everyone knows about it. Everyone knows yeah. knows what it is. So what's culty about it? Exactly. Unless, Unless you're, gonna you're say... forming a cult. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're going to say that our, that our entire culture is a cult. I would never say that, Steve. Neither would I. Commie. (laughs) Why do you hate America? How dare you? (laughs) We're all red-blooded Americans here! God bless the USA! God bless the president of the... Oh, I can't can't finish that that. sentence! (laughs) That is forbidden. (laughs) I will quit right now. So, Steve, before we get into who made the movie, do you have any trivia you'd like to impart to the audience? Oh, my God, there's so much. I mean, the the trivia surrounding this movie would probably take longer to discuss than the film itself. So I'll just mention a couple things that I found particularly interesting and particularly Ed Woodian. Okay. Um, As I referenced... Slightly a, a moment ago, the movie was actually made. The, the movie is is generally credited as as being from 1959, but that's because that's when it actually was distributed. Yeah, it was it was made or it was shot in 1956. Mm-hmm. It was legally copyrighted in 1957. But the reason yeah. why we call it a 1959 movie is because it took that long to find someone who was willing to distribute it. Right. It just sat there. For two years, while mm. Ed Wood was like, hey, anybody want to show my movie? And everybody was like, no. <laughs> no. No, we watched the first ten minutes, and no. We're, we're, we're good. We're good. Yeah, thanks, Ed. Um, and, you know, a lot of the trivia about it are things that, that are widely known because, because it's stuff that was uh, referenced or, or dramatized in the Tim Burton, Ed Wood movie. Like the fact mm-hmm. that Vampyra actually put on her makeup at her house and then traveled to the set in full costume. So she mm-hmm. would like she was riding the bus in full Vampyra getup to go film her scenes for Plan 9. Yeah. Um, and, of course, obviously, Bella Lugosi was dead by the time principal photography started and his mm-hmm. footage is just test footage. And, you know, the the story about and the guy doubling him was, you know, like a foot taller than Lugosi and had his, his you know, cape around his face so nobody could tell. Um, yeah. Actually, I do have one little tiny bit of, of somewhat personal trivia connected to this movie. OK, um, it better be personal. It's deeply personal. This movie okay. and I were in a were in a committed relationship for several <laughs> years and it ended badly for both of us. Explains a lot, Steve. Um, 
No, one of the one of the uh, extras in this or, or supporting roles in this was uh, a guy by the name of Conrad Brooks, who played yes. one of the cops in yeah. Plan Nine, and he, along with a couple of the other sort of background actors or, or supporting actors, um, when Ed Wood was rediscovered in the '80s as a result of the Golden Turkey Award, mm-hmm. uh, he had a little bit of a of a career resurgence where he actually was able to get cast in stuff and get movies made, and we're talking like you know. Z-grade horror movies and really yeah. super low-budget stuff. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. you know, he became, like, um, in demand for a certain audience and a certain type of movie. And he actually yeah. lives not too far from me. He lives outside of Martinsburg, which is, like, half an hour away from where I'm sitting right now. And you couldn't get him for the show? And I... <laughs> he turned is us down what, flat. Is that where this is going? Is he, you couldn't get him for the show? I tried to explain to him that we don't generally... Like, we don't make any money from this, so we can't really yeah. afford to pay anybody and he uh-huh. just he hung up on me um, <laughs> Conrad Brooks no but well he he was actually um, he was supposed to make an appearance at uh, one of our local libraries a few years ago yeah. and, and I was tasked with going to pick him up oh yeah but I couldn't find his house please tell me that there's a more satisfying ending to your story Steve <laughs> um I couldn't find his house. Oh, kids, can you believe it? We sat through two and a half minutes of setup for that. Yes. Look, holy shit. Do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? We just watched Steve murder time right in front of us. Isn't that spooky? It's you know what it is. It's real life, man. Okay, not every story has a happy ending or an ending, apparently, or a point (laughs) or anything. Oh boy, all those We're disappointed just... children who yeah. are like sitting around oh. waiting for a nobody to show up to help open the library. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who is he, Conrad? What does he do? <laughs> it's yeah. a scene worthy of a Bergman film. He did actually, I mean, you know, my my uh my wife was managing the library at the time and according I to see. according to her version of cuz she actually spoke to him on the phone and he actually did try to hit her up for money. Uh, but she explained oh. that the library doesn't pay. <laughs> That's the so much better. Now we guests. see the human greed pop up. And he wants money to help children with the library. You're bumming me the fuck out, yeah. dude. <laughs> and but and the good the good but the happy news is he's only in. Please this movie stop that, adding to this. <laughs> he's only in this movie that we're talking about for like thirty seconds. So we you know it's not like we have to talk about him all the time. Right, 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 right. But there you it's, go. Okay. Wow. Oh boy. Oh, and you know what else? Here we go again. <laughs> he is. I just. I, I just. I, I just remembered this because I was looking up stuff before the show. Um, mm-hmm. He's the last surviving actor to have worked with Ed Wood. Oh well. So, what the feather in his cap? I know. He murdered everybody else. <laughs> he's the only. <laughs> The last wood actor standing. So if you see Conrad Brooks walking down the street, hit him with your car for he is a murderer. <laughs> you won't you won't recognize him. Don't don't actually do that either. Don't actually please don't kill Conrad Brooks. He's been Ooh, through yeah. enough. He, I was just trying to make it spooky that maybe he killed everybody else in yeah, the but, movie. But I mean, he's been through enough. He was in yeah. Ed Wood movies. He lives well, in West Virginia now. Just, he eats probably a can of SpaghettiOs for every meal. Yeah, just, yeah. 
That's and the apparently, scariest thing of all, kids. Boy, we're just going out of our way to bum everybody out before we review and, the movie. And apparently he lives underground, because I literally could not find the dude's house. Here's some more fun trivia for the movie we're going to review. Ed Wood died of a heart attack from excessive drinking because he was an alcoholic. And he called out to his wife, I can't breathe, and she was angry at him and ignored him. Twenty minutes later, a stranger walked in and found his body, eyes open, clutching a bed sheet. He died alone, kids, just like we all do eventually. Spooky! Let's bum everybody out. Fuck it! Why not? It's Halloween! Thanks, Steve! He also he also was re- was uh, reduced to making softcore porn in his later years. That's right. He made the uh, monster nudie titty boobies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was actually the title of one of them, I believe. Yes. Monster titty boobies. I mean, the the studio gave it that title. He didn't want to call it that. He wanted to call it Night of the Boobies. But monster titty boobies. Night of the <laughs> Night of the Monster Titty Boobies. <laughs> All right. Let's just say who made it. Can we do that? Let's now? do that. Let's do. Let's do it. All right. Great. It was directed by Ed Wood. Now. Do we need to talk about who Ed Wood is? They made a whole movie about him, but just in case you don't know, Ed Wood was a guy who wanted to make movies and he wasn't very good at it. He wasn't a terribly good writer, and he wasn't a terribly good movie maker, but he tried, didn't he? God bless him, he tried. That's the secret to the appeal of his work, I think. That's true. Is that he really, really wanted to make movies, but maybe someone should have pointed him in another direction. He was also uh, a transvestite, not a transsexual. He enjoyed dressing up in women's clothing, quite notoriously. Um, and uh, Glenn or Glenda is—he stars in that, doesn't he? Oh, he yeah. Stars in Glenn or Glenda as he, Glenn he... and Glenda. Yes, absolutely. He cast he's, himself in the title role. He's also famous for having an angora fetish. He loves the feel of angora, so angora um, is prominent in several of his films. And he was a drunk, um, a war hero. And if you did see the Edward movie, he never, ever, ever met Orson Welles. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> now, there are some people who say that he was exploiting his relationship with Bella Lugosi, um, mostly Lugosi's family. Um, but there are other people who said that they were genuinely friends, and that's one of the reasons why Lugosi appears in his films. I don't know either way. I've heard so many stories about how what kind of person Ed Wood was. I think it's completely possible that they were friends. Sure. Right, Steve? Yeah, I, I don't think that's, that it's that far-fetched. I mean, you have to remember, yeah. at that point in his career, Lugosi wasn't exactly... I mean, people weren't exactly beating his door down. No, he was a morphine addict. Yeah. So he wasn't... Yeah. He was pretty low. He was working where he could work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it was produced by Ed Wood, Hugh Thomas Jr., Charles Berg, and J. Edward Reynolds. It was written by Ed Wood. The other reason why this movie is kind of charming. <laughs> <laughs> and it stars, oh boy, Steve. <laughs> so many of these people went on to great careers and nothing. <laughs> I mean nothing. A lot of these guys, okay, now, now the actors I'm going to name, some of them did nothing else. Some of them went on to have long careers as just basically actors in movies and television. Yeah. They never made it big, but they were working actors, so they got consistent work in TV and in movies doing bit parts or whatever else. Um, I'm not going to break them up. Some of them had long careers that continued to this day. Others just went, well, that was fun, and disappeared <laughs> quietly. So it stars Gregory Walcott as Jeff Trent. 
he's one of those guys. I don't think he did anything else, no. right? I'm pretty okay. sure, yeah. Mona McKinnon as Paula Trent. Nothing. Duke Moore as Lieutenant John Harper. Tom Keene as Colonel Tom Edwards. He's one of those ones that did have a long career prior to this. And this might actually be his last movie because I think he died right after. Like in 63, he didn't get a chance to make another movie. Oh, boy, that's rough. Mm-hmm. Carl Anthony as Patrolman Larry. Paul Marco as Patrolman Kelton. Tor Johnson as Inspector Daniel Clay. Now, Tor Johnson <laughs> is one of those guys that went on to have a career until his death in 71, mainly because you looked like a monster. And, <laughs> um, also, side note, when this character was portrayed in uh, Ed Wood, when uh, Burton did the movie, um, he was played by George the Animal Steel, yes. who was also a wrestler. Tor Johnson was a professional wrestler, right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Until, and and it's a, Tor, uh, uh, George the Animal Steel is kind of a dead ringer for him. Yeah. yeah. I, in fact, I think he bit his whole style, to be quite honest. Are I, you, I, I'm saying he ripped him off. Are you saying George the Animal Steel ripped off Tor Johnson? That is, that yeah, that's is, exactly that is, what I'm saying. That is a, a <laughs> scurrilous accusation. Well, you know what? If George has a problem with it, he can talk to my manager and we can settle it in the ring. Oh, yeah? The, the, yeah! Just, the, the, You're just, my manager now, Steve! <laughs> just the fact that you would dare suggest that a professional wrestler would rip off another professional wrestler is appalling to me. You listen to me now, George. I know you ripped <laughs> off Tor Johnson, and there's only one way you're going to be able to settle it, brother, and that is in the square ring. <laughs> So you're Hogan now. You're Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I'm Hogan now. Why not? Fuck it. <laughs> the Hulkster takes gimmick infringement very seriously, brother. <laughs> okay, my favorite name in this, Dudley oh, yeah. Manlove. As Eros. As Eros. The alien. Joanna Lee is Tana? Yeah, it's Tana. Yeah. It? Okay, John Breckenridge. <laughs> John Bunny Breckenridge as the ruler. John Breckenridge is probably the most interesting person in this entire cast, but to surmise his life would be impossible. It would be the John Bunny Breckenridge podcast. Oh, yeah. If we had to surmise it. He has a bit, he has a nothing role in this as the ruler of the aliens. But, oh my god, guys, just look him up. Look him up on Google. He's had a, he had a fascinating life, didn't he, Steve? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I th- of all the people... Even more so than Lugosi, I I think Breckenridge just has such a, a fascinating yeah. life because he's not as well known. Like Bella Lugosi, you think, oh yeah, the Dracula guy, but this John Breckenridge, unless you're an Ed Wood aficionado, you probably don't even know who the hell it is. But he was yeah. quite a character. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> David Demering as Danny, Norma McCarthy as Edith, Bill Ash as Captain, <laughs> Reverend Lynn Lemon as Minister at Clay's funeral. Ben Fromer and Gloria Dea as mourners. Conrad Brooks as Patrolman Jamie. <laughs> Mela Nurmi. Who's that, Steve? Who's uh, Mela Nurmi? Who is that? That's 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 the, the given name of Miss Vampira. Ah, yes, Vampira. Now, for those of you who don't know, Vampira was a creature feature spooky kind of host in on a local Los Angeles television station where she would, uh, you know, do the intro bits and extra bits and be the masturbatory material for an entire generation <laughs> of baby boomers that grew up in, in Los Angeles. Um, and then um, she sued uh, Elmira, Mistress of the Dark, yep. for biting her style. And yeah, she kind of did. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I mean, even even did the same job. Like she was a horror host, so it's kind of yeah. kind of a clear cut case of ripping her off. Yeah. Anyway, Vampira <laughs> plays Vampire Girl. 
Although, she's technically the old man's wife, right? Yeah. Okay, we'll explain that when we get to the plot thing. <laughs> the Amazing Criswell, as himself slash narrator. So, he's, like, at the very beginning. We'll explain that. We'll... Guys, there's so much we we need to get through all this. <laughs> so much of this just doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. until you explain it in the movie. Yeah. Music compiled by <laughs> Gordon Zaylor. Now, what does Jason mean by compiled by, Steve? Uh, well, what you mean is that there was no original music written for this film. They just picked out music cues from the pre-existing music library at the studio. Yeah. Much like all the stock footage that's in this. Yeah. <laughs> They just took stock music and kind of cobbled it together to make a soundtrack, which is why we can use the music with with impunity. Because <laughs> <laughs> it don't belong to nobody. <laughs> Cinematography. Gonna let that sit there for a minute. Just look at it. <laughs> Cinematography. You don't say. I didn't realize that setting up a camera in one place and just pointing it at a set was cinematography, but I guess technically that is, right, Steve? In in the most basic sense, yes. (laughs) Cinematography by William C. Thompson. Edited by Ed Wood. Ed? (laughs) (laughs) You do a lot of things, Ed, in this movie. (laughs) Editing just ain't one of them. It just isn't. You know, Ed, you don't have to do everything yourself. (laughs) Yes, he does. You can delegate, man. There was no one that wanted to edit this movie. (laughs) Production company Reynolds Pictures, Inc., distributed by Valiant Pictures. It was released on July 22nd, 1959. As we said, it was produced three years prior to that. It just didn't have a distributor. Running time? I love you, Ed Wood. (laughs) 80 minutes. (sighs) Ah. Budget, $60,000. Box office, nobody fucking cares. No (laughs) one cares or knows. No one bothered to find out. It was a B-reeler. It was something that was shown probably to kids, more than likely. Yeah, and probably on double features and stuff like that. Yeah, probably on a double feature on a repeat of The Fly or something like that. And then It would be like big letters, The Fly, little letters, and something. (laughs) (laughs) And other feature. Yeah. Most people probably thought that was what the name of the movie was, and other feature. (laughs) That second feature by Ed Wood was quite a film. Yeah. So, Steve, are you ready to go into the world where people describe a flying saucer 19 different ways? Sometimes it's a glowing ball, other times it's a cigar, other times they're not sure what they saw. Are you ready to go into a world where people say one thing and then say another thing within the same sentence? (laughs) Like, we want them to know about us, but we must destroy everyone that knows about us. (laughs) Does it make any sense? Are you ready where the master plan is to turn three people into zombies and take over the world? (laughs) Then let's you and I hold each other for safety. Okay. And creepily walk into the giant cardboard cemetery that is... Plan 9 from Outer Space! Steve, take it away! Well, we open on the amazing Criswell 
Yep. And he, What's he doing? He says that, you know that thing you said at the beginning of our show? I have no recollection of the beginning okay, of the well, show. Okay, well, there was a thing that somebody said at the beginning of our show, and it's basically Criswell says that, but why? without all the podcast stuff. But why, why did he say it? <laughs> because he was setting the scene. He was telling us about this amazing, shocking story that we were about to see that was based on the sworn testimony of, of, of the people, people involved. Yeah, Of stuff. Yeah. That didn't happen. And then he tells <laughs> us, he gives us the original title of the film. <laughs> yeah, because they changed it after they made it. They changed in it. In the three years between when it was made and when it was released. Yeah, which there are I've heard conflicting stories about that. One of the most popular versions is that the uh the the church folk who provided a lot of the financing objected to it because the original title and the thing that Criswell says here is Grave Robbers from Outer Space. Yeah. And the uh the story goes that the the Baptists who uh bankrolled the movie didn't like that because they didn't like, you know, being associated with oh grave robbing, that's a sacrilege. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Edward also had uh, a history of retitling his movies so that people would think it was a new movie. Yeah. So it's it's also quite possible that this movie of his sat on the shelf for three years. And, I think it's more than likely quite possible. Yeah, and when it finally that's exactly got exactly what happened when it finally got distribution, he was like, "Oh no, it's not Grave Robbers from Outer Space. That old movie that's been sitting around for three years. No, 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 no. no this is, this plan is my nine. new movie. Yeah. Plan Nine from Outer Space. Exactly because he was a hustler and because he also knew that no one had watched the previous one. Right. Nobody's going to know the difference. He could inflate his filmography. Yeah, exactly. Are you the same guy who directed Grave Robbers from Outer Space? Why, yes, oh, I am. Steve, I knocked out my headphones. I can't hear what you're saying. Oh, my Holy God. Holy shit, kids. This is a... Boy, this is... This is a, I must plug it in. All of this stays in. Everyone gets to hear my fuck up. <laughs> Holy shit, I can't find the hole. That sounds oh. familiar. Shut up, you... There we go. Are you good? I'm good to go. This is a this is boy. This is a crackerjack operation, isn't it? Oh <laughs> shit, kids! <laughs> you want to do something scary? Make a podcast. This Ooh, is frightening. The most frightening. You thing. reveal things about yourself that you never wanted to be exposed to. Like for example, I really like talking like this. I <laughs> wish I could do all the shows in this voice. <laughs> The most frightening thing of all is failure. (laughs) The most frightening thing of all is that I kind of wish I could go into a McDonald's and order food. (laughs) What is the toy for the Happy Meal? (laughs) What the hell is Ben 10? I've never heard of that. (laughs) Isn't this the 19th time you've done Ben 10 toys? (laughs) It's the same ones. God damn it. Don't you ever do any Marvel crap? Come on. Remember Beamy Babies? That was fun. Oh, oh boy. Started the craze with that one. And and now they're all so valuable. Yes. Uh, anyway. Oh no, don't 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 start pressing buttons. I haven't even ordered food. We're just talking, <laughs> you and me. This is... Fuck the people behind me. Fuck you. <laughs> Go stand over there, that guy. I'm talking here, Barbara. Barbara, do you like working at McDonald's? Do you know they pay you only what they're legally required to? That's right. Back when I was a kid, only teenagers had that job, but you look like you're 45. (laughs) How are the kids, Barbara? I do a podcast. (laughs) Where are we going, Steve? I don't know. (laughs) Master, the people behind us are getting very agitated. Fuck them! Up yours! (laughs) 
Excuse me, Barbara, I just want a quarter pounder and some fries. You show me on the restaurant rules where it says I can't take my time ordering food and getting to know Barbara. It's a social contract. <laughs> it's an expectation. It's a societal norm. Come on, just get... I signed on. nothing, Steve. You just stand there, and if they get too close, oh, you God. hit them with this shock Why? baton. <laughs> Why is this my job? You applied, motherfucker. Oh, now get over there. Hit the little kid first. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I'm so sorry. Why? Who did such a good he job? Jumped. Look at him twitch. He jumped back three feet. Oh, my God. Are you all, Are you okay? So, oh, Barbara, are you free on Thursday? <laughs> this little boy is not breathing, master. Just kick him. Oh, Push him God. under a table. Oh, geez. So, Barbara, I'm thinking that maybe you and me can go to Panera. (laughs) Little boy, please wake up. We have to go, Master, we have to go. Oh, well, I got to go. Here, wait. Here is my email. I'm going to write it here on this napkin. Please, just let's go. (laughs) Are you his mother? It's the sketch that never ends. (laughs) We usually save that for the end. Usually, but it's at the beginning this time. Ah. Uh, <sighs> Can we cut to... We haven't even... All we've done is Criswell. <laughs> so, Criswell. <laughs> Criswell's like, What's up, motherfuckers? It's me, Criswell. Guess what? Shit happened. And now I'm going to say a bunch of words that are, are English. That mean something. Kind of, I guess, I don't know. Anyway, here comes the movie, well, bam. And then we go right into the movie, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And we're like, boy, it sure is a good thing that Criswell was here to orient us, or we'd be completely lost. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so uh, after Criswell fades out, we we fade up on a funeral. I am. Yeah, it's really sad, you know. Um, There's there's an old... And Criswell, he he narrates a little bit, because, you know, I guess we're... Because we're we're stupid, and we wouldn't be able to figure it out. What are all these people doing standing around in a cemetery in front of a grave? I don't understand. Also, because they they film this on location, and they don't have a boom mic or sound equipment. Yeah. So there has to kind of be, like, narration, Yeah, because otherwise nothing's... Yeah, it's just going to be, like, silent. And there's Lugosi, and he's looking bummed. Yeah, and we're told through the narration that it's it's his his wife's funeral. The old man's yeah. wife just died, and mm-hmm. uh, the funeral breaks up. And there's two grave diggers who are s- apparently seated like five feet away, and yeah, smoking a cigarette, scratching their nuts, like checking their just watches. Having a good old time. Come on, <laughs> gotta fill this grave. This is my last grave today. Come on. Yeah. So the grave diggers go, and they're gonna. Do their job. But meanwhile, overhead, Ooh. there's an airliner that's headed to Burbank, California, because it's a plane of the doomed. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we meet Jeff Trent, who's a pilot, and his co-pilot Danny, and their stewardess, and the cheap fucking set that is supposed to be a cockpit, right, yeah, Steve? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's one of those minimalist cockpits that doesn't have, like, <laughs> instruments or anything. It's just a curtain and some chairs. A, and a door, and that's it. It's, that's it. That's the whole thing. It's really, it's it's like a theater exercise. It's like you're in <laughs> acting class, and you're like, okay, you're pilots, you're in the cockpit. It's what you do. And then they get a, they see a, a flying saucer. 
Yeah. This bright light and a loud sound. And then they see his flying saucer outside. And then they follow the flying saucer until it lands in a graveyard. Right, Steve? Yeah. Coincidentally, this, the very same graveyard that we just were witnessing oh, the yeah, funeral yeah, yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, And then uh, the grave diggers see a woman dressed like a vampire. Yeah. And, she... and they go, ah... <laughs> yeah, and apparently, even though she comes out from behind a crypt, it's the old... It, 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 two miles an hour? Yeah, and well, it's supposedly the old man's wife, but isn't she in the grave that they're that they're filling? Oh, yeah, it's supposed to be the old man's wife. And also, um, why, why did they bury the old man's wife dressed like a vampire? It's something about a family superstition. <laughs> no, that was burying her and him going into a crypt, yeah. not burying her in, like... Dressed exactly like Vampira. It's because the old man wanted to remember her the way she looked when they met. Uh, at a cosplay at a, convention? At a cosplay convention. Dressed as Vampira. Yeah. Okay, whatever. So they go, uh, and I guess she kills him? I, I don't know. I guess, yeah. It's not like they're armed with shovels or anything. Yeah, I just, yeah. If when a, when a woman dressed up as a vampire comes lurching at you at, you know, negative three miles an hour, hit her <laughs> with a shovel like you're allowed. <laughs> Then we cut to uh, the old man's house. Yeah. And he's all upset. No, he's still moping around about his dead wife, you know. He goes outside, he picks a flower, he gets all upset. Criswell is narrating the shit out of everything. And then he kind of wanders off to the side of the screen, and then we hear a sound effect. <laughs> yeah, we, we hear squealing cars and urch and ah! And then an ambulance, so, and he's dead. Right. So I guess a car jumped the curb and hit him <laughs> just, while he was on the lawn? <laughs> yeah, you know, this is the 50s. Drunk driving was still a very serious problem. <laughs> Cops just didn't care. So I guess he's dead, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's dead. And so now we get a scene of m another funeral and mourners yeah. at his grave. And the mourners are like, we were just here, weren't we? <laughs> and it's the, we get the, the famous uh, clown crypt scene. <laughs> <laughs> where it's a tiny little crypt, but like 20 people come walking out of yeah, it. Yeah, 20 people come walking out of it. One of them's like, how come the lady was buried, but he's in... And that's when they say, oh, it's tradition. Yeah. Well, it's a continuity right? error that we're covering with this bit of dialogue. <laughs> and uh-oh, they find dead, gra dead grave diggers. Yeah. Oh no, Steve. That's bad news. That's bad. That... Maybe they should call a police. <laughs> That's why it's bad, because it's because of that or that we Maybe meet... <laughs> they should call an Umber Hulk wearing a fedora and <laughs> that goes out to all my A D and D peeps out there. Keep it real, guys. Umber Hulk's for life. <laughs> You know what? It, it, so this this is this is Inspector Clay, played of course by Tor Johnson. And yes. you know what it's like? It's it's like when they cast Arnold Schwarzenegger as like a small town sheriff. It's like who, no, because who, that's even more realistic. I know, like who who is that's the most far fetched part of this movie with like reanimated corpses and aliens? Inspector Tor Johnson. This is like casting Arnold Schwarzenegger as a British Baron. <laughs> And Arnold Schwarzenegger as Queen Victoria. <laughs> I am not pleased. <laughs> Tor Johnson barely maintains his human disguise. And he's a police detective named Daniel Clay. Mm -hmm. um, guys, 
I know you guys watch this because you can find this movie for free on YouTube. Yep. But if you didn't, um, he has a passing um, relationship with English. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Tor was what, Swedish? I believe he was, yeah. He was You're the wrestling I, dude. No, he, I, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure he was Swedish. Okay. Um, thankfully, he only has about five lines of lines of dialogue, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then that problem is solved. Yeah, so he goes there, he talks to him, and then Clay goes off to his own to do his own investigation all by himself with no flashlight. I'm a big boy, In Johnny. The dark. What he says? I'm a big boy now, Johnny. <laughs> uh, stomp, 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 <laughs> and he goes off. And then we cut to Jeff Trent. Remember him? He was the pilot. Yeah, and- he's in his. Um, house that's next to the cemetery with his wife and they hear sirens and they're like uh oh something's happened at the cemetery right yeah and then Um, but you know poor jeff he's still a little upset about the flying saucer incident in the airplane from earlier because the army showed up and they said you better show up or ufo or you're gonna get it we swear you're gonna get jeff trent we know who you are no we don't we don't we don't believe in flying saucers, and neither do you, right, Jeff Trent? And uh, as as Jeff himself described it, mm-hmm. I've been muzzled by I'm a brass. <laughs> he turned into John Travolta. I'm a guy. I'm a brass. <laughs> I can't say nothing about the flying saucers to nobody. Oh my God. <laughs> so John Travolta can't say nothing about the flying saucers because army brass. Then what happened, Steve? <laughs> uh, well, um, they're, Another flying saucer they're, they're talking comes by about flying saucers, and yeah, a flying saucer flies by and knocks them over. Yeah, knocks everybody over. Oh, yeah. Cops, everybody. Everybody, and then the, the, the flying saucer lands in the graveyard. It's a right? it's a nice spot if you want to if you ever want to hide a flying saucer that's apparently the the best spot. Yeah, and uh oh, the old man reanimated. <laughs> yes, he's <laughs> and he he was buried in uh, a vampire costume too, Steve. <laughs> it was a kinky marriage. It was. I it guess. was a very. He was an old man. He was bored. He wanted to recapture his youth. It was a second Sometime marriage. Sometime in the 1940, he posted a posted a classified ad in the L.A. Tribune. Wanted. Someone who enjoys biting of necks and Bella Lugosi films. Signed, creepy old man. Yep. <laughs> okay, fine. Must have Anyways, own costume. So Inspector Clay discovers that he's being attacked by the female zombie and the old man zombie. And I guess he's killed because once again... <laughs> All we hear is a scream, right? Yeah. At first, he un- at first he empties his gun at him. Yeah, and he 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 tries to shoot the old man. It looks like in the knees, in or in the crotch. <laughs> judging, yeah, judging by how he tries to shoot him in the ground. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. I war. I'm warning you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll shoot this ground some more. Dance, old man. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he doesn't, and then I guess they kill him, right? Apparently, yeah, yeah. He he he's dead the next time we see him. <sighs> yeah. But, uh-oh, now we, uh, Criswell needs to tell us that there are sightings of, of UFOs over Hollywood, and they're, they're, um, they cause an, uh, a guy to stop drinking, I guess. <laughs> because there comes a time in every man's life when he simply can't believe his own eyes. <laughs> like when we're watching this movie. Yeah, this... You're like, I don't believe I'm watching this. This is a movie? <laughs> <laughs> This is real? This is a joke, right? This isn't really a movie, though. Where's Alan Funt? (laughs) (laughs) Smile!
but anyway, so then there's some in Washington D.C. and the military dispatch jeeps to shoot at them, right? Yeah, and they st- well they 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 dispatch their best stock footage, yeah, to shoot do. at the aliens. <laughs> and that's when we meet Chief of Saucer Operations. <laughs> I'm gonna let that sink in for a second, okay? The Chief of Saucer Operations, Colonel Thomas Edwards, and he reveals while standing in front of a blank wall. <laughs> talking to another dude standing in front of a blank wall that the government has been covering up up all of these saucer attacks. Yeah, just... He even mentions that a small town was annihilated. This is where we get... I love this scene because it feels like it's it's Ed Wood's attempt to mimic Rod Serling dialogue because of the way the, the colonel describes Free it. Free Rod Serling? Yeah, it's, it's the way the colonel describes it, where he's like, he's like, yeah, then last year they destroyed, a, they destroyed a town. A small town, mind you, but a town of people. <laughs> it's like, that's a Rod Serling line, come on. Oh, I heard it was a town of prairie dogs, sir. Well, they got no, that they one, were too. people. Well, thank goodness. I was afraid they were going to attack that town of billy goats we've heard so much about. The billy goats Saw it on the newsreels. Laughed and laughed, I did. <laughs> we saved the billy goats at the last moment. Oh, good. Thank just God, so, you God know, we were in I don't time. care if they destroy a town of people. We're sick of those. We're just lousy crazy with towns of people. Yeah. I mean, you, But billy goats, that's rare. Can't walk ten feet without stubbing your toe on a town of people. I mean, <laughs> they're a menace. So now we cut to the aliens. Yes, the aliens. They, they land their little ships into the big ship, into the mommy ship, mm-hmm. right? Oh, it, it certainly is the mommy ship. And that's when we meet Commander Eros. And uh, by alien, we mean um, not alien in any way, shape, or form. They're completely human. They wear shiny clothes. Yeah, that's, that's what makes how them alien. alien. And they inform their ruler, who doesn't seem to care about much of anything at all. He's- that they've been unsuccessful in contacting Earth's governments. That's what they've been trying to do, is contact Earth's governments. They have been unsuccessful because they've sent messages, but Earth has been like, nah. Yeah, we're not. We don't care. Fuck you. We're covering up everything for no apparent reason. Earth hit mute this conversation when the aliens Uh first contacted them. Yeah. So to force their acknowledgement of aliens... Arrow says, let's implement Plan 9. <laughs> and the ruler f- turns it up in his uh, on his clipboard. Yeah, and he's like, Plan 9, Plan 9, let's see, Plan 8, dancing, Plan 7 was... What was Plan 7? Drinks and dinner? What was that? <laughs> <laughs> plan 6, start uh, reality television singing competition. <laughs> no... <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, plan one would have worked. Just land a UFO in Washington, D.C. <laughs> no, plan nine, which is resurrecting recently dead human people for uh, something? Just having them walk around? <laughs> yeah, because dead people, it'll freak people out, and they won't think, oh no, zombies. They'll think, of course, naturally, aliens, right? That's what I would think. Yeah. <laughs> Cut to Trent, who's going to leave on another flight. Yeah. Don't you care about Trent and his wife? I sure do. I'm worried about her safety just like Trent is. And he's like, go stay with your mom. And she's like, nope. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) She goes in. She locks the door. Jeff leaves. Uh Uh-huh. But that night, Uh the zombie old man rises from his grave. 
and breaks into her house, kind of. Just actually kind of appears in her house. Yeah. Well, he just opens the door, which shows that she did not heed her husband's advice and lock the door. Nope. And then uh, she runs away outside, and he slowly follows her. Actually, he's the fastest out of all three of them. Yeah. Because this is where uh, it's no longer Bella Lugosi, it's the chiropractor. Yeah, yeah. We, we forgot to mention that. That Bella Lugosi was dead for most of this movie, and he was replaced by a chiropractor who just held the cape up to his face. Yeah, to maintain the illusion. To maintain the illusion. And <laughs> so she runs around the cemetery, they follow her. Um, oh, and that's when we find out that Inspector Clay is a zombie, too. Uh-oh. And she escapes, but then she collapses in front of a car driven by a guy who picks her up and then drives away. And then the police drive up with their sirens blazing because... What a, um, What else have they got to do? Yeah. <laughs> this, this. Back to the cemetery, boys! <laughs> And so then the aliens are like, oh, let's collect our aliens. Boop, boop. And they get their aliens and they beat Cheeks. They fly away. And then we get more cop foo in the cemetery (laughs) that goes nowhere and just drives you insane. It's just four dumbass cops just wandering around going, why are we here? I don't know. We get to watch. Hey, let's recap more shit we saw in the movie. Okay. We get to watch them take like five minutes to figure out that one of the graves is Inspector Clay's grave that they were just at the day before at his funeral. It takes them ten minutes minutes to figure it out one of them has to actually go down into the grave and look at the headstone that has fallen into the grave by the way did could they not afford a flashlight in this movie (laughs) because then none of them ever have flashlights every time they're offered a flashlight they say no and they wander off yeah that's true he he uses matches to look at the he uses matches to to look at the grave that is in the grave (laughs) not above it but in it it fell in (laughs) meanwhile at the pentagon (laughs) Um, someone comes in. I don't know who it was. Who was the name of the guy? Oh, the 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 person who comes in to meet the general. Eh, no, the colonel. Yeah, the well, yeah, Remember, the colonel comes the colonel in. Is, yeah, the general. Oh, the is colonel the guy. comes in yeah. and talks to the general, yeah. and the general's like. Uh, you know flying saucers aren't real. Yes, they are. Uh, uh, you know, th- we say they're not real. And he's like, I know, but they are. Oh, well, they are. Okay. <laughs> I was testing you. Ha <laughs> See, they've been trying to communicate with us, and, and we created a language computer. <laughs> we created a language computer that can translate any language in the world. Here's what they said. What'd they say, Steve? Well, he, it was. they were kind of, you know, pissy about it. You know, uh-huh. they were sort of like, hey, we know you just invented the language computer, you big dipshits, so now you can understand what we're saying. And yeah. we just came to be your friends, but you were jerks, so to hell with you. We came to say hi, and you keep shooting our, our UFOs down. Yeah. So now we're going to, oh, you're oh, you're going to, you're in for it now. Yeah. And then he says, hey, I want you to go to, <laughs> oh, no, here's some, uh, there are a couple other things he says that are in that tape that I think are funny. Number one, he says, ancient juvenile minds. <laughs> yeah. He's got with us pegged. Ancient juvenile minds. Also, um, atmospheric conditions, Steve. At- in space. Atmospheric conditions in space. <laughs> yes. Oh, you know what he's getting at. I don't. At. What does he mean? I don't know. Anyway, so General What's-His-Nuts says to uh, <laughs> says to Chief of Saucer Operations, uh, Colonel Thomas Edwards, go to San Fernando Valley, because there's <laughs> stuff, shit's going on. Go there. 
Will you do it, please? And he's, he's like, but I was just there. Just go! Meanwhile, back on the mothership, Eros is in trouble for some reason, because he's not doing good. Yeah, the ruler is getting a little yeah, impatient. Yeah, he's like, show me one of your zombies. And uh, they do, and it doesn't go well. <laughs> no, zombie Inspector Clay almost strangles Eros yeah. to death, because Tana's gun gets jammed, and I guess and the gun is how they gun that move kills them people. around. It's a gun that controls zombies. Yeah, so the other kind of gun. <laughs> the other kind? And then we get some dialogue, which clearly shows that the leader doesn't even know what he's talking about. <laughs> he's just like, um, you go and do things, um, stuff, right? He, yeah, well, he first he tells Arrows that he's taking two ships from his command yeah. because he's been such a yeah. fuck up. But then he also says, now go take over the world, basically. <laughs> yep. And they're okay. Now, Steve... This is, uh, there's a metaphor in here that I don't think he intended, but I think is in there. Oh, great, he, okay. They, the aliens keep talking about forcing people to exist, the, accept the existence of aliens, right? But they yes, don't say yes, aliens. Yes. He says, we're going to make them, we're going to force them to accept our existence. Yes. Now, I can't help but notice that this is a transvestite making this movie. <laughs> Ah, yes. So maybe there's some subtext there? Maybe. And, and you know, the person, the, it's the ruler who first says yeah. that. And the ruler played by John Breckenridge. Yeah. Who attempted to have a sex change operation in the 1950s. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So maybe there's some there's some pro-trans subtext in there. I think it's, it's, it's possible. That is in there completely by accident. Because these are the bad <laughs> just, guys, somehow. It just came out of Edward's yeah. brain. It just came out of his brain. Meanwhile, the cops and the pilot and the colonel all show up at the cemetery, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, they talk to Jeff first, right? And they, oh no, this this is where they this is where Ed Wood writes out the old man, so he so he doesn't have to keep using the same five seconds. Of yeah, the he has footage. to be able to write him out. Uh, so they're all on the patio they, they, talking, having iced tea, drinking cokes, and uh, going over everything that we've already seen. <laughs> and uh, one of the cops is left out by the car. And then they hear a noise, and then they st- and then they see the old man uh, approach the cop, chase the cop slowly up onto the porch. Um, the cop unloads his gun into him. Then the old man knocks him to the ground. Actually, it looks like he absorbs him because he just disappears. <laughs> yeah. Um, then the colonel unloads his gun. Right. Yep. And it doesn't then work. Then they shoot a beam because remember the ruler said what you're going to do is you're going to take the old man, you're going to lead him to these people, and then you're going to turn off the machine. And boy, that'll show him. That'll show him. They won't be able to deny us then, right, Steve? Yeah, their their plan. I mean, Plan Nine is not a good plan. Nine plan. is the worst plan. And this is kind of like Plan Nine B because the ruler is just sort of freestyling <laughs> this. He's like, "Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take the old man and send it yeah. to the house, and then turn off the beam." Mm-hmm. And so they turn off the beam. They kick back the cape, and what's there, Steve? It's a skeleton from a biology yeah. class. <laughs> <laughs> the bones are all still together. The arms and everything are still attached. The rib cage is still full <laughs> together. Just, so you know what this it's means, just right, a Steve? Fake skeleton. You know where we have to go again? Well, I mean, obviously they have to go back to the they cemetery. They have to go back to the fucking cemetery. We've been in the cemetery so much. But they turn to a uh, passed out cop. They wake him up and say, you stay here. And he's like, okay. And then they turn to wife and they say, you stay here too. And she's like, okay. And then they go to the cemetery, right? 
Yeah. And um, there's a great line in here in it where he says something like, um, "You, I told her to stay, but she didn't want to. And then one of them says, modern women, huh? And the other one says, they've been that way <laughs> all through the ages. What? <laughs> modern just, women. They've just, been like that since forever. <laughs> modern women have. Yeah. Just some random incoherent. At this point, while typing, wasn't he? (laughs) He wrote the script in two weeks. He did like him some booze, so it's quite possible. Uh, Women, am I right? Before they go into the cemetery, though, thank God the cop keeps uh, like a buttload of extra revolvers in the trunk because everyone gets a revolver. (laughs) He passes out guns, man. He's like, "Hey, you get a gun. You get a gun." So then we come back to the ship, and they're like, hey, these guys are coming. So we got to kill them, because they'll discover us. Which kind of contradicts the thing we talked about, about wanting people to accept that we exist. So why would we kill the guys that now acknowledge our existence, Steve? Yeah, I think Eros just is, I I think the ruler was right. I think Eros is just a (laughs) fuck-up. He just, he can't get his mission straight. He can't remember, are we supposed to reveal ourselves or, or are we supposed to keep our existence a yeah. secret? And then mm. um, Tor Johnson, who needs to do something, um, I guess, kills the cop. Doesn't really. I mean, he just kind of knocks, knocks him, him out. down, kidnaps the girl out of the car. And finally, we get a face off with the aliens and the Dippy Three guys <laughs> with the cop, the, the army dude. And and the pilot, right? Yes, our, our trio of heroes. Yeah, they, they, they let him into the ship, and Eros is like, Hey, how you doing? We came here in peace, and you guys are dicks. And also, by the way, um, I'm going to outline how explosives work through history wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to drop like, some inaccurate first history First he invented you. the firecracker. We didn't, but first he invented the firecracker, and then immediately invented the hand grenade. And and then a bomb. What kind of bomb? Doesn't matter. Just a bomb. <laughs> and then and a then bigger he made bomb. A, yeah. And then a bigger bomb. <laughs> and then a and then an atom bomb. And then a, a hydrogen bomb. And the next bomb you're gonna make is a what is it called, Steve? It's called the solar benite. <laughs> what does the solar benite bomb do, Steve? Well, as Eros explains in a charming little bit of exposition, the solar benite bomb uh, explodes sunlight. What? And the problem with it, the problem with it is it it explodes sunlight and it also for it creates a chain reaction so that if you explode the sunlight in one place, it travels back to the to the all to all the is. places that that yeah, all the places that that sunlight has gone. Yeah. It basically it basically destroys the entire right. universe. So his people d- d- discovered solar bernite and they didn't use it, but they think that human right. beings are going to discover it and they're going to use it cuz humans are stupid. Yeah, because of our stupid yeah, minds. Stupid, 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 stupid. Some problems. Number one, I, I think Eros is, <laughs> assumes that there's only one sun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That all planets share. <laughs> there is some really. It's it's like I don't even think he dip- knows what a universe is. <laughs> He he uses he uses the terms universe and galaxy uh, several times when he from the context he seems to be referring to the solar system. Yeah, but we can't. But you never hear solar stars systems. and sun and the sun are completely different things, right, Steve? 
Yeah, yeah. He, you explode. I think what he means to say is, you know, you explode our sun, and then you explode all of the planets, and then like it, it, it catches the light from the stars, and then they explode. Yeah. But he doesn't. Yeah, it's the sun is a big ball of gasoline. Yeah, okay, so let's say it's a can of gasoline, and then you tra- leave a trail of gasoline to the earth, and then <laughs> I love that. Ex- that incredibly tortured explanation. He's like, and then you take it to the ball, which is the earth, and you light that, and it travels along the trail of gasoline back to the can, which is the sun. And he's like, okay, wait, so wait, so the earth is the ball of gas? Yes, you saturate the ball in the gasoline, which represents the sunlight. Then you light, okay, so the gasoline is the sunlight. Yes, yes, and the ball is the it earth. It just goes. Okay? It okay? just keeps going. And then uh, he wants to turn on a Vizzo screen, and uh, Trent shoots at him. And he says, yeah, I just wanted to show switches. you that your girlfriend was okay, your wife was okay. And he's like, oh, okay, turn on that thing I just exploded with my gun. And he turns it on, <laughs> and oh, look, she's perfectly fine, the... right, Steve? She's perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unconscious in the arms of a monster. <laughs> she's yeah. fine. And then, of course, there's a fight. Oh, baby, is there a, a fight? A fight that results in the spaceship catching on fire somehow. Yep. This well-put-together spaceship um, can catch on fire because of a fist fight. <laughs> yeah, just way too many flammables in the cockpit of this spaceship. Way too many detachable pieces of equipment. Yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, I mean, I know that they're far advanced of us. They're so but far advanced a, that their equipment is on top of wooden tables inside of yeah. this square cockpit of a round tables. flying yeah. saucer. Yeah, it's just, I, I question some of the design choices of these aliens. Anyway, so the colonel figures out how doors work, gets the doors open, they leave. They're like, Trent, the ship's on fire. Leave. And he's like, okay. Um... <laughs> Come on, honey. Yeah, Eros is knocked out on the ground. Tana is having a freak out. She's like, we're taking off. And then they take off. Oh, wait a minute. Before they do that, the cops, the two cops, they sneak up behind Tor Johnson and they show them that not even alien controlled zombies can withstand the power of a stick to the back of the head. <laughs> Absolutely. Out. Mm-hmm. And the ship takes off. Oh no, and now Tor Johnson has turned into a skeleton because their their power beam is off or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They turned off the, the electrode gun. Yeah. And then the ship is completely on fire. <laughs> and then it blows up. And then it blows up. And before you can start asking questions like, well, what's the ruler going to do now? <laughs> Cause, yeah, because, like, okay, the ruler's still he's here. Like His watching ship is it still... from the mothership. Like, he's going to be pissed, Just right? Just a little bit. He has several <laughs> other ships that he can dispatch. But before we can ask any of those questions, what happens, Steve? We cut back to Criswell. Who dares us to prove that this movie didn't happen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was messed up, said, huh? Prove that it didn't happen. And I'm like, ah, that's way easy, dude. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, you know, people used to laugh at these kind of stories, yeah. but then they invented cars and TV, and that'll show you. Yeah. And God help us all. Yeah. God help us all. Ed Wood's going to keep making movies. <laughs> <laughs> and then, the end! Right. Filmed in Hollywood, USA. Hollywood, USA. The scariest place on earth. 
So, Steve, <laughs> that brings us to the end of the spooky spaceman zombie vampire um, t- uh, pilot flying yes, saucer yes. chief movie. Plan 9 from outer space. What do you think of this classic horror movie sci-fi thing? <laughs> yeah, really, like, what do you even call it? <laughs> Um, I I love this movie. Mm-hmm. I love this movie. I I mean, it's I, the one thing you can you can give this movie credit for is that it it is the movie that sort of started the 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 trend of of people appreciating bad movies. Yeah. Um, it, not all bad movies, obviously, but there are some bad movies that are bad in just the right way. And they they cross over into being not necessarily good, but entertaining yeah. and or, or fascinating yeah. or or compelling in some mm-hmm. way. And and Plan Nine is kind of the grandfather of those movies. Um, it's not the worst movie ever made. No. A lot of people say that it's not the worst movie ever made by far. It's not the best bad movie ever nope. made, at least not according to to my taste. I've seen a lot. There are other bad movies oh, that Steve, I so love a lot more. Movies out there that are so bad. And and so bad that they're yeah. good, you know. I mean, so so it's not it, it it's not exactly what its reputation says it is. At least not according to to my judgment. Right. But it is still it's 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 still you know the so bad it's good yep. movie. You know the cult classic movie that everybody should see if you're into that sort of thing. If you love appreciating terrible films that are somehow entertaining or charming or whatever, Plan Nine is like a must see. And there's so many things in it that are characteristics that you find that are like common characteristics in these type of movies. Um, just weird, random stuff that has no reason to be there, but somehow is mm-hmm. there. Like, like you, you mentioned it when we were going through the plot just now, there, that, that, that random line about modern women. It's like, why is that yep. there? And then there's, there's another moment that is also kind of a, a, a random out of nowhere bit of sexism where Tana is yelling at the three heroes in the yeah. ship. And she's and she's like you know taking the side of 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 uh, Eros. Eros and the aliens, and she's like you assholes, we've been coming here peacefully for years, and you blow up our shit, and what you know she's like really going off, and out of nowhere Eros just grabs her and fucking jerks her back, Earth flings her aside, like, yeah, and he's like hey shut up, and, and and then he turns to the men and he's like where I come from women don't talk like that, they're just baby factories, you know. And it's like, what the fuck is that? (laughs) What what is that even doing here? Like, why is that in this movie? (sighs) And, uh, you know, and it's, and there's, there's bits of business that are like, you know, uh, characters acting inappropriately for what they're supposed to be. Like the police detective who gestures with his gun and scratches his temple with his gun. He keeps pushing his hat up with his gun muzzle. Yeah. How is he still alive? (laughs) Well, I see. And I, I know I, I, I know the story behind that. Apparently, the the actor who played that part did that on purpose to see if Ed Wood would correct him. Ah, and Ed didn't notice nope. or didn't care, so he was like, "Shit, okay, you know." So that's what that's that's the deal with like the flagrant disregard for gun safety by that police detective. Um, and yeah, stuff like like the cop handing out guns yep. to people, just weird random stuff that just would never happen in nope. real life. Uh, Tor Johnson getting a lot of dialogue before he zombified, yeah. and you think, how was that a good idea? Not. You know, the <laughs> the the obviously shoddy set construction, like whenever anybody walks within ten feet of a but not as bad as people make it out to be. Oh no, no, actually the. Um, 
the interior sets are garbage. Are, except I'm for the- sorry, Steve. I know. Did you notice that the exterior of the spaceship? Oh, they had one doorway yeah. with the sliding door, so they just used it for the inside of the spaceship too. <laughs> they just turned. They they literally turned yep. it around. It has the ladder and yeah. everything. Yeah, it's but you know, like the the set construction is. Is it's not so much that it's terrible the way it was built. It's it's just it's not used very well, no. you know. And it's you know you you have them like the characters are sitting in a room and the room is supposedly like a, a an army three star general's yeah. office and it's just like a little desk and a map on the yeah. wall and like a model rocket in the corner mm-hmm. and it's like oh okay I guess that's, and a picture okay, of space that works. A picture of space yeah just you know like it's the like it's the captain's office in a Star Trek show like a picture of space. <laughs> Because that's what you you know you don't you can't just look out the nah. window and look at space you need a picture of yeah. space, um, yeah it's just stuff like that and you know the but the thing about it that really makes it charming and really makes it work in in the weird unintended way that it works is that you can tell that that Ed Wood was really trying to make it a good yeah. movie. He was he wasn't just jerking off, which is the thing that a lot of bad movies that people made since then or that people make today that aren't entertaining that you just watch it and you go, "Oh, I never have to watch that yeah. again." It you don't get a sense of anybody really trying to make it good. No. And sometimes you even feel like, "Wow, are they trying to make it mm. bad?" This wasn't like, a vanity trying to... project. This was him no. trying to tell a story. <laughs> yeah, he was really trying. And 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 in his best work, you get that comes across like wow, he's really trying to make this good. And and he had Edward had this this uh, flaw as a filmmaker where he his dreams were always bigger than his means. Mm-hmm. You know, he really wanted this to be like a big epic everything sci-fi was just out movie. of his grasp. Yeah, I mean, he he wanted to have a big scene where the army fights flying saucers, so he does stock footage shooting at like model UFOs. He did it the only way he could do it. And he didn't just say, you know what? I can't do this. I'll have to write the movie without this yeah. scene. You know, he said, nope, I'm going to write it and we're going to shoot it. I can't do this, but I'm a good enough filmmaker to know how to shoot something that alludes to something. Right, right. I can come at it in a different yeah. way and, you know, shoot it Spielberg, in a way where... where when the shark broke down, he figured out a way to tell the story without showing the shark. Right, exactly. He was like, oh, I can do this. Yeah. Um, what what Ed did do is he wrote the movie around the few minutes of footage of Bella Lugosi that he had. And what <laughs> like stock he was, footage he, was, he knew he had access to. Yeah, stock footage of the army and stuff that he had. Yeah, and um, so he had he was he he was a guy who had a limited amount of talent, a limited amount of skill, yep. but but big dreams and and big ambitions and a great deal of audacity. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the things he does in this movie are just outright audacious. You know, they don't work. Nope. But because, but because of the, you think like, wow, I can't believe he even tried to do that. <laughs> like, you know, like having uh, the the worst body double in the world stand in for Bella Lugosi. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he basically he said, okay, I've only got this test footage of Bella, so I can't do anything other than this. But maybe I'll get someone else to just be the same this character. Man is obviously hold the cape three overs. feet taller than Bella Lugosi was. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I know. Just he'll just hold his cape over his face, and you know, it'll, people will mm-hmm. get it. Like that's that's balls. 
Like it's it's yeah, it's a really weird, terrible choice, but it's all it also takes guts to think like, wow, he he actually thought that would yep. work. Like he actually put that in the movie. He said, Okay, problem solved. I'll just have the guy hold his cape over his mm-hmm. face. You know, and, and that that lends the movie a, a, a charm, you know, and and you can see that he's really trying to make it good. And that, to me, is is the secret of what makes it a, a, a not a good movie, but a classic bad yeah. movie. Um, it it has the weird, random stuff that is completely uh, impossible to explain or account for. You know, it has the the confused story where even the characters in it don't know what's going nope. on. They don't um, even know what their motivations just, are from page to page. No, they can't keep their own shit straight. I don't even I know mean, who the bad it, guys are in this. No, yeah, that yeah, because it's like uh, sometimes the aliens seem like very reasonable, yep. and then and then sometimes they seem like they're just they just want to kill everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, so I mean, it's 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 the sort of keystone of so bad they're good movies, and and the the secret to it is that you can tell that the guy who made it was really trying and was just kept from realizing his vision by a combination of paltry resources and extremely limited talent. Yep. But because you can feel him trying, it it lends it a charm and 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 an appeal and makes it more fun to watch honestly than a lot of far more accomplished yeah. movies. Yeah. So it's it's one of my it's 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 a it's a sentimental favorite of mine for mm-hmm. sure. Oh, it's my turn now. You can go. You can talk. Okay. Now. So I love this movie very much the same way that I love, say, the uncle that comes over that I see at Christmas time or Thanksgiving time, and he has the same jokes every single time I see him. And he's not a bad guy, he's not mean, but he has the same damn jokes. And he says the same jokes, and he tells them so earnestly. And he, and he wants everyone to laugh, and everyone does laugh. They laugh because he's funny, but he's not funny per se, it's just that his jokes are so awful. And he only has a limited number of jokes. And my approach to this movie is pretty much the same. The first time I saw this movie, I laughed and I laughed and I laughed. But now that I've seen this movie, I don't know, 20 times, this <laughs> most recent watching of it, I will concede, and I, I, I told Steve this, I was bored. I was mm. very bored. And I could see someone approaching this movie for the first time going, I'm going to watch Plan 9 from Outer Space. It's, it's, it's supposed to be the worst movie ever made. And being bored. And the main reason is because since Plan 9 has come out... We've seen just how bad a movie can get, haven't we, Steve? <laughs> oh boy! Oh, oh, oh. oh yes. Because we have. if he's the father of bad movies, if if Ed Wood is the the beginning of our appreciation of really bad movies, there are others that have taken up that mantle and have become true auteurs of bad movie making. <laughs> Neil Breen is going has is currently wearing the crown of bad movie making maker supreme. And he makes vanity projects that are so fucking crazy that you can spend <laughs> the next five years trying to figure out what's wrong with his brain. If you guys don't know who Neil Breen is, go look him up. I don't even quite sure how oh, to spell yeah. his last name. And if you can manage to find his movies, please, please, guys, watch them because they are so outrageously awful and just so off kilter and so weird. I mean, we have had, we've been spoiled with bad movies for the last 10 years because it started with The Room. It escalated to yeah. Birdemic, and then someone found Neil Breen. And then other people have managed to find even worse movies out there, right? What is Miami Connection? If you haven't seen Miami yeah. Connection, what are you doing? Go find it, because, oh my god, guys. <laughs> <laughs> 
And those are truly awful films. And the thing about Plan 9 is now it seems quaint by comparison. Yeah. And I don't want to take away anything from the crown that it's earned. But is it the worst movie ever made? Nope. Is it the... It's badly shot. But here's the thing that probably sets it apart from most other bad movies. Boy, does he not know how to write a script. (laughs) No, no, no. There is no linear thrust in this movie, is there, Steve? There is nothing from beginning. Most movies have a beginning, a middle, and the end. This one kind of does. But none of the characters have arcs, per se. Not a not a one. Not Trent. Not the colonel. Not the police officer. None of them. They just gotta wander around and shit happens. The aliens barely have... They, they kind of have a plot arc where they kind of, like, we want people to acknowledge our presence. But also, if they discover us, we gotta destroy them. <laughs> So in the end, you have this convoluted mess, and you can kind of enjoy it. But after I've I've seen this movie so many times that this time I was just kind of like, this is the longest eighty minutes ever. And if you're not into bad movies, guys, you will not like this movie. And I will even risk saying this: if you are into bad movies and you've never seen Plan Nine, you may be severely disappointed in how not bad it is because our standards for bad have changed a great deal thanks to some of these fevered geniuses <laughs> that we've been we've been exposed to over over the last 10 years so but that being said let me let me put it this way i have a deep affection for this film i saw it for the first time when i was probably 12 or 13 it deeply affected my appreciation of what film is and what it can be the more I learned about Ed Wood and the more I learned about the production of this film, the more I felt, and I don't want to say necessarily sorry for Ed, because hmm. I don't think he was self-aware enough to understand that he did not have the chops to pull off the kind of movie that he wanted. I don't mm-hmm. think it was a matter of money, because I think that if, if a crazy studio executive walked up and said, Here you go, Ed, $300,000. Make whatever you want. We'd get the same fucking thing. It would still, yeah. it always will boil down to his script. I mean, you can take this movie and you can give him lavish sets. You can make the spaceships as realistic. You can give him fan, forbidden planet money. And it will still be this script. Yeah. It will still be Criswell at the beginning with a nonsensical, weird monologue setting up this movie, (laughs) as if he's trying to convince the audience, no, this is really happening, everybody. This really happened. (laughs) I swear to God. (laughs) And then the dare at the end to prove, I dare you to prove it didn't. Bye! So it's one of those movies where I do I I will always have a soft uh, soft spot for it. But even I have to recognize that it has dimmed a bit as far as its crown. Now, does is it a classic? Does it deserve to be? Yes. Why? Because this was the movie that started an appreciation for bad film, really. Up until this point, I think people would acknowledge that there were awful films and don't waste your time. But Plan 9 was this is an awful film and you will love watching it. <laughs> It is so good. And our appreciation for what is good and what is bad changed. Before it was always set on artistic, you know, on an artistic quality, you know. Important realistic films are always going to be important and realistic and they're always going to be, you know, it doesn't matter what the budget is so long as you have a clear intent and the only reason the movies exist is to because you're trying to tell a story or you're trying to make a larger point. And bad movies came along and said, you can enjoy something because it's so bad that it's funny and you have a good time watching it. Yeah. And 
it resurrected some films. And for a lot of people, and I and I think I've mentioned this myself when it comes to bad films, it's always it's always going to boil down to the intent of the filmmaker. It's why I don't cut big budget movies slack when they make a bad right. movie. Because those are people who have all of the money. They have professional writers, usually writers who have written other movies. You have a, pr- a production company. You have lots of hands-on on, on a product when it's a big budget film. And when it's bad, I get angry. Because these are people <laughs> who were paid a lot of money to produce something entertaining and they produced crap. But if you have no money, no talent, you can't write a script, and you're trying your hardest to make a movie within your means, especially if you are reaching for something that you can't possibly attain, I'm sorry, but I'm going to love your movie. (laughs) (laughs) Just for the attempt. I am going to laugh at it. And, you know, uh, we saw it with The Room. When Tommy Wiseau found out that his that people were laughing at his drama, he tried to turn it around and say, Oh, no, that was my intention all along. Ha, ha, ha. I made a funny movie. No, you didn't, Tommy. Don't even try. No. Don't. No, baby. This was supposed to be your dramatic. You, you are probably still surprised that you did not win an Academy Award for your film. <laughs> Oh yeah, and that's yeah, and that's what made it great is that you could tell he was really he trying was to make this real, brilliant exactly, drama exactly and failing horribly. <laughs> so, Steve, classic or not classic? Oh, classic, classic, yeah, classic. Classic. It may have dimmed a little, but it's mm-hmm. always going to have a it's always going to have a place on my shelf. I'm always gonna, and if I know someone who hasn't seen any other bad movies, this is a good place to start. This is a great... Absolutely. If you want... If someone's like, I don't understand why people like bad movies. And I'm like, what have you seen? Eh, I'll start... I'll start them off with this. Start here. Start baby steps. <laughs> Watch this once a day, and, every and day you, for a month. And if you like this, we can move... We can, we can continue forward. Because, oh boy, <laughs> it's going to open up a world of possibilities for you, isn't it, Steve? <laughs> oh, baby. After this, Beastmaster. Oh, boy. <laughs> Are you familiar with the name Udo Kier? The 80s are a treasure trove. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Uh, here's a little movie. It's called Masters of the Universe. Oh, now you're talking. Now you're speaking my language. <laughs> and then you can and then you can start doing crossovers. Like, oh, you like Sean Connery. Yeah. Huh? How about Zardoz? Oh, Zardoz. And we'll follow that up with Mac and me. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yep, classic, stamp yep. it. And now's the time where, since we both like this movie, we recommend a movie that we never want you to see. Right, Steve? <laughs> yes, yes, it's yes. It's been a while. Want to know why? Because we've been watching a lot of shit, guys. <laughs> oh, boy. I know. We've we've had to recommend good movies yes, a lot for the last of them. several shows. A lot of them. So, Steve, what movie would yeah. you like to recommend that our audience never see? Well, not all Ed Wood movies are worth seeing. Nope. And the one I'm going to recommend is an Ed Wood movie that I think is just not worth watching. It's it's my least favorite Ed Wood movie. Um, all the things you were saying in your review about how, you know, Plan 9 is kind of... You still enjoy it, but it's not as fun as it once mm-hmm. was because you've seen it so many times. Yeah. Um, that's how I felt about this movie the first time I watched it. I thought, oh, this just isn't good. <laughs> um, the, mo- the movie, it was actually a movie that Ed Wood made before Plan 9. Mm-hmm. It's from 1954, and it's called Jailbait. Oh, Jailbait. And it was it was co-written by Ed, and he also directed it. And 
It stars uh, a few actors that that he worked with repeatedly, including his girlfriend at the time, Dolores Fuller, mm-hmm. uh, and Timothy Farrell, who you might recognize if you watch movies from the fifties and TV from the fifties. He pops up in things every now and yep. then. Um, also, a young Steve Reeves, who would go on to play Hercules mm-hmm. to great fame and renown. Speaking um, of bad movies, yeah, oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> and. And also uh, Lyle Talbot, who was in Plan Nine. Yeah. He actually played the general, mm-hmm. uh, and he also stars in this. And Lyle Talbot was another one of those uh, Ed Wood actors who went on to a, a decent career. And he was he was also the first actor to ever play Lex Luthor on screen yep. in the Superman serial. Uh, so it has a you know a very respectable Ed Woodian sort of cast, um, but it's just it's so. Boring. It's just a bad, boring movie. I mean, it, 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 describing the plot is more interesting than actually having to watch it mm-hmm. because it's, I mean, it sounds like it has promise. Like it's about a crook who, you know, kidnaps a doctor to force the doctor to give him facial reconstructive surgery <laughs> so that nobody will recognize him. I mean, it sounds like, oh, that could be good. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not at all. Um, and, and on top of all of that, it also is the only Ed Wood movie to feature blackface. Yay! So you get to see a, a boring Ed Wood movie that also, for no reason at all, has scenes of a guy on stage doing blackface <laughs> in the fifties. I think. I think actually the actor that they that they shot doing doing the blackface he was the he was one of the only performers left in the world still doing this is the <laughs> mid 50s even 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 in the mid 50s blackface was the kind of thing that people were like should we do this nope like, it was just it, it was over they were like we shouldn't this is wrong we shouldn't nah. do this um so edward or edward found the only guy still doing blackface and he was like you want to be in the movie um so yeah it's it's it, again it's called jailbait it is probably the least enjoyable edward movie i have ever seen <laughs> so if you if you like plan 9 avoid jailbait yeah my turn Go for it. Okay, as everyone knows, I like to recommend or not recommend a movie from the same year <laughs> as the movie that we just reviewed. And the uh, year was 1959. And um, there's a movie that's noteworthy for one thing and one thing only. It was the last appearance of a truly great Hollywood icon. That icon was Errol Flynn. Now, Ooh. most people know Errol Flynn. He was the swashbuckly guy who loved to drink when he wasn't in a movie. <laughs> And not only is this the last appearance of him, this is also a movie that he wrote and directed and stars his girlfriend at the time, Beverly Adland. It's a little movie that was pro-Castro Rebellion in Cuba. Interesting. The name of the movie? Cuban Rebel Girls. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Now, guys... Errol Flynn was an icon when he made this. He's an icon now. If you appreciate movies from Hollywood, you know who fucking Errol Flynn was. Right, Steve? Oh, absolutely. His last movie was called Cuban Rebel Girls. (laughs) 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 And it was a movie that he wrote. And it's a kind of documentary, kind of fictional thing in which Errol Flynn travels to Cuba to meet with the the pro-Castro rebels and the quote-unquote Cuban rebel girls, played by Beverly Adlin, Jackie Jackler, and uh, Marie Edmond. It's a pile of shit. (laughs) (laughs) 
And no one liked it. No one understood what was going on. America really, at the time, did not really have much of an opinion. I'm talking America itself. I'm not talking about the government. Didn't have much of an opinion of the Cuban rebels. And so this, I guess, could be looked backwards as, oh, you didn't think about that too much, did you, Errol? Because (laughs) we're talking about the group that overthrew the current, and granted, um, highly corrupt Cuban government and replaced it with a highly corrupt communist government (laughs) but there's a whole lot of nothing going on in this movie guys it's boring it's you can't tell if it's a documentary or what's going on because errol Errol flynn plays himself in it and it's just not (laughs) worth your time so if you're going through and you're like oh look errol flynn's last movie don't watch it it's not his last movie don't waste your goddamn time so that's it cuban rebel girls and i know the title itself makes you kind of want to want to watch it yeah but they're like real rebels not like oh let's take our dad's car and drive around with our tops off not that kind of fun rebels more like let's bring down the man kind of rebels (laughs) let's overthrow the government kind of rebels. exactly (laughs) and that's it once again, we've come to the end of spooky season here on Late Seating. Isn't that right, Steve? Yes, the spooky season is over, Oh, thank master. God you won't hear this accent again for another year. And I know all of you are like, thank Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, but we're not done because... Next time around, we have another movie that we're going to review. Isn't that right, Steve? (laughs) Yes. And what movie are we going to review next time around, Steven? We're going to... (laughs) Sorry, I had to... We're going to review... Uh, a movie that, you know, it's November and the big thing in November is Thanksgiving and it's hard to find Thanksgiving movies. Yeah. So we figured in, instead of doing Thanksgiving movies, we would try to focus on movies maybe that, that opened in November and, and were successful movies. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, um, November yeah, November is a release time for people. It's the beginning of the yeah. holiday season. Lots of cartoons and family films and shit like that. Right, Steve? Exactly, exactly. So we're going with that this year for our November shows. And if anybody else out there has a better idea, I'd like to hear it. Um, okay. <laughs> so, well, it turns out, as, as we were going through the, uh, the box office records, it, it turns out that one of the most successful films to open in November that, that fits our criteria for this show yeah. is a certain film that is a Michael Jordan vehicle. No. Yes. No. It see, stars the great Michael Jordan. There's only one thing that Michael Jordan was ever in. Yeah. Uh-huh. 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 Well, other than the NBA championships, of course. Uh-huh. Um, he uh, he starred in a film. Yes. That co-starred a legendary figure of, of screen and television, a certain Bugs Bunny. Uh, yeah. So the movie that we are reviewing don't, in our next episode. Don't say it. <laughs> Is no. Space Jam. <laughs> I'm sorry. Guys, now I know some of you went Space Jam. That's not a classic. You need to think about that for a second, okay? <laughs> yes. There's a whole generation of kids who love their memories of Space Jam, and I'm pretty sure that's all they love. The memories of Space <laughs> Jam. Haven't watched it lately, have you? Nope, but you can still fucking buy product. I was just at the Halloween Superstore. They had costumes for Space Jam characters there. Can you believe that shit? 
Oh yeah, it has crossed over into sort of pop culture uh, garbage. Ubiquity. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> or that it has crossed over that. into pop culture. It's you know, if you say Space Jam, people know what you're talking about. It's that movie that was based on a tennis shoe commercial. Yeah, the Bugs Bunny Michael Jordan movie. That's right, and we're going to review it next time around, aren't we, Steve? We sure are, buddy. Why? We sure are. Steve, you know how much I love Daffy Duck. Why are we doing this? <laughs> because in order in, in order to, to heal, we must first feel our pain. He's my totem animal. I can't. I can't do it. You have to. Oh, all right, guys. You heard it here first. Next time around, we're going to watch Space Jam. So if you want to get all the jokes or understand why blood is coming out of Jason's mouth, then you will watch <laughs> Space Jam. Why does Jason sound garbled in this episode? <laughs> And that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of Late Seating. Thanks for tuning in to both of our spooky October episodes. And for Late Seating, this has been Jason. Oh, thank God I don't have to do this voice for another year. Harding! And go see a movie this week. I command you. And this has been Steve. That's not a hump on my back. Shives. You really should get that look that I I wanted to tell you, but... (laughs) I'm pretty sure I saw it move on its own the other day while we were eating. It's a... I think it's a beetle that got under my skin. Oh, that's so gross. Now it's worse. I'm, I'm sorry. You, I, wasn't, I was just going to move I on. I was just sorry. hoping it would be something you could get removed, but now it's a living creature under your skin. I, I'm hoping we can just cut it open and it will crawl out. Oh, my own. God. I'm going to barf if you mention it again. How dare you? <laughs> It's a medical procedure. Let's just move to the ending quote so we can go take you to the emergency room. Okay, I'm going to go after this. My friend, you have seen this incident based on sworn testimony. Can you prove that it didn't happen? Perhaps on your way home you will pass someone in the dark and you will never know it, for they will be from outer space. Many scientists believe that another world is watching us this moment. We once laughed at the horseless carriage, the aeroplane, the telephone, the electric light, vitamins, radio, and even television. And now some of us laugh at podcasts. God help us. In the future... Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Let Me Listen. And thanks for listening.